This should be played at high volume. Live and local, this is the game. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. It's Saturday, and you know what that means. Finally time for the world-famous CD to step to the mic for two straight hours of no-holds-barred sports talk. It's better than Desperate Housewives. Are you ready? You better get ready. Yeah! Because Under the Dome with CD starts right now. Let's do it. I'm ready. Let's do it. And good morning, beautiful people. Hopefully you're having a fantastic Louisiana Saturday morning. I'm here with you for two straight hours, and I am absolutely excited to be here with you. And let me turn my headphones up. There we go. I can hear myself just fine. I'm sure you can hear your hear me perfectly fine here inside the beautiful game studios as we are each and every Saturday morning. Appreciate you listening in however you're doing so. Be it through the free game mobile app. Both 1037 and 1041 Lake Charles. You can download it right now in your App Store or your Google Play Store. And we also can listen to us on 1037thegame.com, 1041thegame.com, your favorite smart speakers, or as I like to call it, the Towers of Power that are 1037 FM in Lafayette and 1041 FM out in Lake Charles. Hopefully, you're having a good one. If you haven't made it a good one yet, you still got plenty of time because it's 9 a.m. And boy, oh boy, we got a lot to get to over the next two hours. Got a couple guests aboard. Also breaking out a brand new segment just in time to kickstart the summer off right. But enough about that. Because that's future talk. We're in the world of here and now talk. We're in the talk of what's causing all this on Louisiana Saturday morning. What's got me all fired up right about now? And that is your Saturday sports sermon topic. And I think you kind of know from a national perspective what the big talking point is. The famous CD is on his soapbox to start your Saturday. Who testified? It's time for your Saturday sports sermon. It's always amazing to see how fledgling leagues, these Leagues that are obviously on a different level, probably a much smaller pedestal compared to the big dogs. For instance, the USFL, the XFL, the AAF, the everything in between compared to the NFL. To see how all these different leagues handle it. And when it comes to the PGA and the LIV, it's safe to say that it's an uncivil war. Hell, it damn near feels like the Hatfields and McCoys feuding at it and going at it at all times. And it's crazy how much a league funded by Saudi blood money wanting to help pay off gambling debts for one Phil Mickelson changes a lot in the world of golf. Like in the last week or so, we've been seeing numerous names leave. And here's the thing. They're not jabronis. That's the crazy part. It's not guys that you don't know. It's names that have some notoriety and some clout to it in the business of golf. In the sport of golf, 
there are a handful of names. We obviously know Tiger. We know Phil. We know a lot of these other up-and-coming names that are actually currently making waves in the PGA Tour. But a week out from one of their big majors, the U.S. Open, the LIV finally arrived to much pomp and circumstance and maybe some laughter at some of the stuff they're doing with their purposes. I'll say that much because it's it's a weird like duck, if you will, because you've got different teams and stuff. We'll talk about that in a minute, but it's it's not filled with like B and C guys. There's some or I should say C and D list PGA guys. It's not like some VH1 reality show. It's more along the lines of like similar level of play because you got names out there that are pretty doggone good. Phil Mickelson, obviously, he's the big headliner. We all know why. I said it earlier. He has a gambling problem. They're helping kind of alleviate some of that debt he's been dealing with. He's got a problem. And if you have a problem, go get help. And we all know why he's taking part in this. Dustin Johnson is a part of it. Lee Westwood. Sergio Garcia, who has not necessarily been at the level we remember him as back in the day. But he's still impressive nonetheless. Louis Usaisen is another guy in that mix. That's just to name a few. There's some other notable names. Kevin Na is another name that people have been talking about. But then you have them all. The PGA is like, all right, you're going to take part of this? Fine. You are out. Like, O-U-T out of the PGA Tour. And that's amazing to me that they have the PGA Tour in 2022 suspending players indefinitely for jumping ship to a different organization, if you will. Because you get there's less games that, they, that they're going to play over the course of a year in the LIV. And they're even potentially going full message board admin and dropping the ban hammer and permanently banning people from the PGA if they take part in this new league. Which I honestly think makes sense because they want to be able to make a statement. And here's actually a statement for the PGA Tour on Friday they dropped saying, quote, these players have made their choice for their own financial-based reasons, but they can't demand the same PGA Tour membership, benefits, considerations, opportunities, and platforms as you. That expectation disrespects you, our fans, and our partners. You have made a different choice, which is to abide by the tournament regulations you agreed to when you accomplished the dream of earning a PGA Tour card and, more importantly, to compete as part of the preeminent organization in the world of professional golf. And they have every right to pull their cards, to suspend them indefinitely. I don't think banning is the way to go about it, unless you see bigger name players jump ship like it's WCW and WWF in the 1990s. It's not like that anymore. But the PJ is definitely within their rights of doing so, because at the end of the day, you are part of an organization like, imagine if we saw the X, the XFL snatch up just for the sake of conversation, hypothetically. Let's say they would snatch up somebody like a Odell Beckham Jr. while he's still under contract with a certain team. It would not go over well, and I'm sure Odell Beckham Jr. would not be allowed to participate in the league again, and there, then there'd be some more safeguards being put into place. That's a reasonable thing. 
if you're a organization, and as they say, and I love the fact they said this, because at the end of the day, the PGA is literally the only professional golf organization that we know of. I mean, obviously there's like those long drive championships, but in terms of true, honest to goodness, professional golf, the PGA is the only one, the only game in town, really. And the PGA has every right to do something about this and say what they've said. And especially add the fact that you have a situation with this LIV tour, whatever you want to call it, being funded by Saudi Arabian blood money. Because at the end of the day, in the public light, and if you are endorsing that or whatever, it's not necessarily the best look for you. Go look at WWE and how much people gave them hell the second they announced their deal with Saudi Arabia to have a couple shows a year over in Saudi, in Jeddah, and they would wind up promoting Saudi Arabia and airing different propaganda saying, hey, you know, Saudi Arabia is progressive, all this stuff, when they're clearly not. But it's wild to see how much the PGA is just lambasting the entire organization and lambasting the players for that. Again, they said, quote, from Jay Monahan or Moynihan, the commissioner said, quote, you have made a different choice, which is to abide by the tournament regulations you agreed to when you accomplished the dream of earning a PGA Tour card and to compete as part of the preeminent organization of professional golf. They have every right to say something like that. Because if you want to go ahead and go that route and be a part of this league, guess what? You can't play in our reindeer games. But I feel like at the same time, the big majors, going back to what I said, next week is the U.S. Open. Seven days from right now is moving day. And the fallout of this in the next week or so is going to be interesting to hear all the other players talk about the potential of the PGA Tour and the LIV being at, 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 at odds with each other and how does the USGA how do all these different organizations that the PJ is affiliated with respond because obviously if you had these really notable names again Dustin Johnson Louis Oosthuizen are two names out there that could have probably been highly ranked guys in the world of sports betting they could have been considered maybe not favorites but pretty doggone close all that stuff it's gone now. Phil Mickelson, hefty lefty. Would have been fun to see him in the U.S. Open. Those guys aren't part of it. It takes away some of the, like, name notoriety, the name value of the PJ Tour as opposed to if they were actually a part of it. But it's going to be wild to see how quickly this thing changes over the next few weeks and months. Is this fledgling league, the LIV, going to stick around or will it join the AAF and the original XFL? I don't consider XFL 2.0 because it did get shut down due to COVID. That's a different story. As failed alternatives to the much bigger product to be seen, it remains to be seen right now, but the way the LIV has started off, it's laughable. Because they had team logos that pretty much look like they were designed by guys that have graphic design is my passion on their social media bio and we were created in freaking MS Paint. Then you have those teams. Some of them were no-named or no-name captains. Like, why do it that way? 
why not go the old the traditional route, have these guys go at it, and compete for a championship like you see in every other PGA Tour event? It's a little weird. I understand you want to differentiate yourself. You want to be able to break the mold a little bit. But honestly, this ain't it, Chief. This ain't it. But again, it's crazy to think about how this all started because one person has a gambling problem and it's essentially snowballed into this and working with a group that probably has an endless money pit to really take out of. If you're a Phil Mickelson, Dustin Johnson, all these guys, they're going to be taking advantage of the fact that they are going to be making a ton of money over the next at least year, depending how long the LIV does indeed last. Because honestly, the first few weeks, it's been a little bit of a disaster piece. But enough about that. Because honestly, there's a lot more important and pressing things to get to. We've got a new segment coming up in hour number two. But in the next segment, it's the end of the road for our favorite collegiate teams, the LSU Tigers and the Louisiana Raging Cajuns. In this hour, I'm going to go ahead and focus in on the Cajuns in the next segment, their year in review, how things went. And I'll give you my grade on how the Cajuns did in all the major sports. You'll be surprised to see how some of those do indeed shake out. We'll do LSU in hour two, but we'll have Jacques Doucet on to talk a little bit about LSU baseball. The year's wrapped up in a nice little bow for them as well. We'll recap the baseball season that was with Jacques Doucet and also maybe get into some football talk as well. Because after all, it is June. I'd say it's the unofficial start of talking season. It's damn near feeling like a time for summer camp. And we'll talk about that and so much more in the next segment. You're listening to Under the Dome with CD right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. We are Southwest Louisiana Sports Station and your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. Back after this. Who is the world-famous CD, really? Whatever you think when you think sports radio, he's the exact opposite. Yes, I will do the opposite. Let's get back to Under the Dome with CD before he starts acting like Costanza. George is getting upset! On the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. And welcome back to Under the Dome with CD right here on the game. 103.7 Lafayette and 104.1 Lake Charles. We are your home for the Astros and LSU Tigers in southwest Louisiana. Hearing that promo about the birthday bash. Getting me excited. Ten years this station's been on the airwaves. Hell, I've been here for eight of them. Definitely the long-established veteran. The grizzled young vet, if you will, here. In Southwest Louisiana, Sports Station. Hell, I remember when we were just largely just in Acadiana for the better part of those eight years that we flipped it over and added the Lake Charles signal. Absolutely been loving it ever since. Appreciate you listening in. Got Jacques Doucet coming on in about nine or ten minutes, give or take a few. But if you want to call up, 337-706-0111 is the number you need to dial if you want to get on the conversation about anything. And I've got something in an hour or two. I'm going to go ahead and and unbox this idea right now 
In an hour or two, I want you to jump in and get on this conversation. So keep it locked right here. In hour or two, to start off, I've got a top five list. We're going to do it throughout the summer, just different things. And I'll break down a top five list today on the top five things I miss the most in terms of restaurants. It won't be top five things I miss every single week, but this week it's restaurants. I'm going to break down some restaurants that I miss here in the Acadian area at the top of hour two. And I'm sure I'm going to miss some, especially out in Lake Charles. I don't know that area nearly as well as some people, but trust me, I'm sure there are people out there that have a craving and a hankering for some restaurants that are no longer around. We'll do that in hour two. I just want to give you the heads up on that. That way, at the 10 o'clock hour, I'm hoping this thing can be a, something that jumps a couple of segments. Because honestly, it's going to be fun. And I can't wait to hear some of the reaction from you. But I want to see hear your reaction on this as well. 337-706-0111. The Cajuns athletic year came to an end last weekend. A little bit of a disappointing fashion. Am I right? Yes, you lost to a host Texas A&M team in College Station. But you pretty much competed your ass off in that game on Saturday. You lost. It was a tough loss, and then you had to run it back the next morning. You lost that one. Season came to a disappointing end. You beat TCU, but at the end of the day, the overall arc is you, you lost and you didn't make it to the Super Regional, didn't pull off any major upsets. You had to fight and scratch and claw to get to that point, and they deserve all the credit in the, in the world. We talked about it last week about how you don't doubt Matt Daggs and his crew. But now that the season's done, and more importantly, your collegiate athletic season is done for your Cajuns and LSU, it feels like a perfect time to go ahead and wrap it up in a nice little bow and then start turning the page over to Cajuns football and LSU football as well. We'll get to them more in hour two in terms of what my personal grades are. But we got to start off with, and it's going to be the major sports, the major five sports that we talk about a lot here on Acadiana or Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Excuse me. And we start off with Cajuns football. If you don't have this as an A-plus, you're out of your damn mind. You're out of your damn gourd. This is one of the best seasons of all time by Cajuns football and probably will go down as the best in the history of the program by every bleeping metric. Win-loss record, your best record of all time, only one loss, only one blemish, and that was the season opener against Texas. You finished the season ranked in the top 25. Check. You won the Sunbelt Conference Championship for the first time ever. Check. Big check there. Then you beat future Sunbelt Conference member Marshall. check You hit every single mark you can hit if you're the Louisiana Raisin Cajun. You hit every single thing. You beat App State for the second straight season. That's something that hadn't been done. Had not been done in a long, long time. And hell, you beat them one time in the 20 attempts you've had before that. It's a lot like LSU and Alabama. You finally got the monkey off your back last year in Boone, North Carolina. And then you did it again on a Tuesday night at Cajun Field. You did it at home, and you beat them like a drum. It was impressive. But again, 13-1. and 
by every single metric that we talk about here on this station. The Louisiana Raging Cajuns had their best season ever. Ever. You beat Liberty like a drum. And Liberty, don't forget Liberty with Malik Willis, everybody's hot commodity in the world of college football quarterbacks that didn't get drafted until like second and third round, if I remember correctly. And then you beat App State again. You whipped up on App State not once, but twice. And you were 13-1 and Sun Belt Conference champions. You should have been Sun Belt Conference champions in 2020. But, you know, somebody decided to be a little chicken and go ahead and walk on and strut on over to the other side and say they got COVID. Again, that is what it is. Cajuns football, A-plus by a mile. Cajuns men's basketball, it's hard to grade. But because they did well in the conference tournament, better than expected, managed to make it all the way to the conference tournament final. They lost. That's good. That's the good there. But there's a lot of bad. 16-15 and record. And a lot like any other year, we've talked about it on the show before, there are high expectations for this program because of everything they do in the transfer portal, getting guys to come aboard the program one way or another. And you have a 16-15 and 15 record to show for it. Bob Marlon is going to finish out his contract. He's sticking around for one more season. And for all that, I give him a C-. minus. It's a not good season for this Cajuns program. You barely finished above 500, number one. Number two, you almost, I mean, you almost made it to the NCAA tournament, but you lost to Georgia State, a team that's always had your number dating back to when Ron Hunter was the head coach. Shout out to him. Cajuns women's basketball, it's it's not a success, but it's a step down from what they had last year. And maybe their record would have been a little bit better because I think it was like 18 and 7. A lot of games getting canceled due to COVID, one reason or another, because we started to see more of an uptick in that before the turning the calendar into the new year. Conference play was was fairly decent. Not much to really write home about about that team. It, it, I'd love to probably put them as a C, but I'll give them a B minus. I'll give them a B minus here because I think just based off a win loss record metric, pretty doggone good. But you didn't do much else outside that that really. It was very a nondescript year for the Vermilion White under Gary Broadhead. You're nine and four in conference play, and the big knock on you is losing in the semis to UT Arlington. You had a bye. You beat Texas State like a drum, 71-46. Didn't take part in the postseason in terms of the NIT, CBI, whatever. Mind you, I wouldn't if I'm Gary Broad had a year removed from being in the women's NIT. Hell no, I'm not going to take that. Cajun softball, they had a lot of ups and downs this year, admittedly. They had a ton of them. But they managed to get better when it mattered the most, and more importantly, they got their hay in the barn, obviously, when it was time to play in conference. 47-13, and 23-4 in conference play. Sunbelt Conference champions yet again. And they look good for the bulk of the season. Now, obviously, they struggled at certain points, losing to teams 
But it, to be honest, the teams that they lost to in non-conference, those felt like, you know, understandable losses. Alabama, anyone? You lost to them twice. You lost eight nothing in five. You lost both those games in five innings. You lost to LSU, who was ranked at the time. Probably doesn't look nearly as good as it did when it happened live, because LSU women's softball fell off a certain way because you lose your first game of the SEC tournament, you kind of phone it in there, then you go 0-2 barbecue in the tournament. And I can't tell you the last time that happened with Beth Serena's team. And we'll talk about them more in hour two. But Cajun softball, I'll give them a B plus. They did really well this year. It's expected to be B plus. If maybe they had gotten one more win somewhere along the line in the NCAA softball tournament, maybe made a run towards being a team make us to just somehow pull off a super regional, you'd be ranking them a little bit higher. But I gotta go with a B plus team in Cajun softball. Hopefully things get a little bit better for that program down the road. Now, Cajuns baseball, they are an interesting case study because the metrics, like we talked about earlier, they're not necessarily as good as they could have been. 37-23, 19-11, good, not great. They were on an absolute tear heading into the penultimate series of the season, just whipping up on every team damn near every night. From the time they played La Tech at Ruston, on a Wednesday night, up until they played a damn good Texas State team, they were winning every series. They swept Rice. They kept it competitive for a little bit against LSU. But that Texas State series, that derailed their momentum a little bit. You limped into the postseason, winning two out of three against Little Rock. But they still managed to do what we talked about last week. Felt unthinkable about winning the Sunbelt Conference Tournament Championship for the first time since 2016. Punching their ticket to regional. That alone deserves an A. That alone deserves an A. I'm going to give an A-. minus. I'm just going to be a little bit nice and give an A- minus here. Cajuns baseball, very nicely done this season. They got a lot accomplished. Now it's all about sustaining that success. It's keeping the momentum rolling, keeping that ball rolling. And if you're Matt Deggs and crew, you've got a good shot at getting that done. Now, obviously, you're going to be focusing and dealing with the MLB draft not too far down the road and dealing with that perspective as well. But that's where I'm at when it comes to the Vermilion and White perspective. I'm giving them an overall grade in terms of how they did in their athletic year amongst the big five that we talk about here on Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, I got to give them about a B plus. These you had one of your best football seasons. Baseball got back into the tournament for the first time in a long time, six years. Cage to softball continuing to do what they do. Mind you, I think their standard is a lot higher than other programs across the board with Cajuns. Cage's men's basketball is your lone, like, down. And, again, that's not that big of a down from my POV. We'll take a quick timeout. We'll get Jacques Doucet aboard the program in just a moment. Going to talk some LSU baseball. 
and a little bit of LSU football as well because obviously it is talking season. And we'll talk about it next right here on Under the Dome with CD on the game. 103.7 Lafayette and 104.1 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. The world-famous CD may be in his 30s, but he's still a kid at heart. (laughs) Now, let's get back to a guy that has an unhealthy obsession with a number that offensive linemen wear with Under the Dome with the world-famous CD on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Under the Dome with CD right here on the game. 103.7 Live yet and a 104.1 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. And in about, let's say, right about a week and a half from right now, the game turns 10. We're celebrating 10 years of being Southwest Louisiana Sports Station at Buffalo Wild Wings on Ambassador Caffrey. This will be Wednesday, June 22nd. Delicious wings, amazing door prizes, and appearances from your favorite personalities here at Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, including a live edition of Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. They'll be broadcasting live from the party. So come join us at B-Dubs Wednesday, June 22nd from 5 to 9 for the game's 10th birthday bash. Let's go. And now let's go to the game hotline right now. Talk with good friend, Jacques Doucet of WAFB, Acadiana's Finest, now over in Baton Rouge. Jacques, how's it going? Glenn, I'm doing great, man. You're making me miss Lafayette with uh, that big event you've got coming up. There's always something happening over there, always something fun to do. And uh, uh, congratulations on the 10-year anniversary of your show coming up. Uh, Appreciate the Beavis and Butthead drop. Haven't heard one of those in a long time. (laughs) And... uh, Best of both worlds from the uh, 5150 Van Halen album, which turns 36 this year, just like uh, the original Top Gun way back in 1986. So there's a bunch of useless information for you to to start things off. (laughs) You brought up Top Gun. Have you seen Maverick? I absolutely have. As a matter of fact, I think I'm going to take my parents later on today to see it again. And, uh, you know, it is. A plus, fantastic. Uh, There's been a it's been a long time since I've seen a movie that really hit me in the feels like that one. And even being the kid of the '80s, I really, I mean, I, I certainly know about Top Gun's significance to pop culture and how big it was. But I think I only saw it at the movies one time, and I was more familiar with the soundtrack. You know, Highway to the Danger yep. Zone, Kenny Loggins, Take My Breath Away, Berlin. You know, those songs were so big. But uh, I, I would recommend to anybody out there go see it and go see it more than once because uh, it's fantastic. And say what you want about Tom Cruise, but you know, without Tom Cruise. The movie just isn't the movie, so guy always brings it. Oh, I agree wholeheartedly. It was one of the best movies I've seen in a while. It was just the, the cinematography and everything was uh, was fantastic. But enough about movies and music and everything in between. That might be a separate conversation we have down the line. <laughs> but let's get to LSU baseball because the season came to a disappointing end on Monday, losing to Southern Miss after seemingly having like 20 different lives in the game on Friday night again. Uh, I can't. The, the team they played on Friday night escapes Kennesaw you, right? State. Kennesaw State. Thank yeah. you. And then you play Southern Miss, and somehow, some way, you come out on top in that game on Saturday. But of course, everybody's luck runs out. Cats have nine lives, and those Bayou Bengals apparently ran out 
with the losses on Sunday and Monday. How, how shocked were you to see this team lose the way that they did? I can't say that I was overly shocked. It, it, it just, it, I think disappointing was a much, uh, you know, a way that I would describe it. Because once you win the first two games in a regional, you're really sitting in the catbird seat to, hey, we only need to win, win one game and we get out of this regional, as opposed to if we lose that marble game on Saturday night, we got to come out here and roast in the sun on artificial turf for three, four hours. Then we got to turn around and play another game on Sunday night. And then we got to beat these guys again on Monday. And so, um, you know, the warts on this team were there all year long. I mean, even in game one, you know, Kennesaw State puts up 11 runs by the fifth inning. But then, you know, the euphoria of coming back and winning the game cancels out those feelings. You know, winning is the ultimate deodorant. And uh, once again on Saturday night, you're thinking, well, Southern Miss, their pitching is too good. They're not going to blow a four-run lead in the bottom of the ninth. And sure enough, that's exactly what happened. So, uh, you know, pitching was the problem with this team all year long. I know defense was a problem, and I know Devin Fontenot had a a kind of rough uh, error there in the regional, but defense didn't really cost them that regional. Uh, I think their fielding was pretty good. Jordan Thompson was, was real good at shortstop on that turf, and it just was a matter of they ran out of pitching. Uh, Mikhail Hilliard, God bless him, one of the best Tigers of all time, but a guy like Mikhail Hilliard, Hilliard is not supposed to be your ace, you know, not supposed to be your Friday night guy. So they've got to go out and get the next Alex, Alex Lane, the next Aaron Nola. Uh, I don't know if there's another Ben McDonald out there that's going to make it to college, but, um, you know, Jay Johnson's made it clear. We've got to go out and get some flamethrowers. We've got to get some pitchers. And uh, it'd be very interesting to see how many guys on this roster won't be back next year. I think there's going to be a, a major overhaul, overhaul. I would not be shocked to see double-digit guys uh, on this roster not come back uh, next year. But looking at Jay Johnson's body of work as a whole in year number one, what were your overall thoughts on it? Because it feels like everything set up really nicely for this team to make a run to Omaha, but of course, wasn't meant to be. Yeah, I think from a media standpoint, he's he's very approachable. I mean, you'll go out there before a game; they're taking batting batting practice. They'll tell you hello, shake your hand. He's always very friendly. Uh, you know, when you see him, uh, you know, Paul Maneri was the most. Uh, media-friendly coach I think I've ever covered. I mean, you know, he would give, he'd be getting off the bus for a midweek game at the Raging Cajuns and say, hey, do you want to talk to me real quick and shoot an interview right there? I mean, Jay Johnson kind of doesn't do those things. He, he, he's a little more structured in terms of interviews and, and those type of things. Uh, certainly the style of play changed a lot. I mean, um, everybody kind of recognized that these games were very long. Uh, I mean, they were four hours, four and a half hours, lots of pitching changes, lots of kind of delays and whatnot. And so uh, I think he, I think he maximized this talent, um, you know, almost to the, uh, as far as they could go. I mean, if they could have just won on Monday and made a super regional, I think that without question makes the season a success. Um, but uh I think that nobody is going to work harder than Jay Johnson. Nobody is a bigger baseball freak than Jay Johnson. And, um, you know, in baseball, it takes you a little while to get your recruits in there and to kind of start to put your stamp on the program. So no matter if they would have won big this year or lost big this year, I don't think you can really make any um, big sweeping judgments on Jay Johnson because of the fact I think three years from now we can reflect and say, okay, who did he recruit? How did he implement his style, and, and what kind of a job did he did he do? But uh, credit Southern Miss; they were the better team. They played LSU three times. They won two of three, and now they got his uh, they got this huge super regional with Ole Miss. So for the first time ever, they'll be hosting a regional in Hattiesburg. So that's great. 
It's great to see. Talk right now with Jacques Doucet, WAFB-TV. And we look at – you brought up Paul Maneri that got me thinking. How crazy is it that two years ago we had, as the head coaches at LSU, Ed Ogeron, Nicky Fargus, Will Wade, Beth Trina, and Paul Maneri. All uh, in terms of the big five head coaches that LSU has, now only Beth Trina is the only one that's still around. Yeah, I think, um, and I think during that summer in 2020, I think Dee Bro retired. Um, yep. You know, she was getting up there a little bit in age, and the COVID thing hit, and she's like, I think she was just like, look, I don't want to deal with this, and I've, I've kind of done what I can do here, and so. I think it's been a little more than three years since Scott Woodward became the athletic director, and I want to say he's hired 10 coaches. Um, and so really the landscape at LSU has just uh, totally changed. It, um, you know, and, and you can kind of see the coach that he's hired. You know, if you take a look at uh, Brian Kelly, uh, Jay Johnson, Matt McMahon, you know, the big three there, I mean – do you think any of those three guys is going to cause you any off-the-field issues in terms of, like, doing something embarrassing or, or whatnot? No, I don't think so. Um, and they're all pretty straight-laced, organized, um, you know, have a plan. And, you know, Nikki Fargus uh, did some good things at LSU at times, uh, but I think there was really a growing um, – you know, disappointment in the fact that women's basketball was was not what it had been in the early 2000s when they went to five straight Final Fours and they had great players like Simone Augustus and Sylvia Fowles and Tamika Johnson and and they used to put a lot of people in that building and then you could you know fire a shotgun and not hit anybody in there in the last you know several years. So uh, to get Kim Mulkey was you know that 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 that's just a pipe dream. That's not going to happen. Kim Mulkey lead Baylor for LSU? Why? Never. And it did. And so. Not only to get her, but then to get Bob Starkey to come back recently to be the top assistant, and uh, and, and and you know she's going to have LSU in a Final Four, I believe. You know, pretty 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 quickly, and she's been great to cover. So yeah, you're right. A lot of change at LSU, um, and you know Brian Kelly saw him yesterday out at this seven on seven football camp. Uh, saw some teams from Lafayette, saw Trev Falk and Lafayette Christian and those guys. So. Um, uh, you know, a lot of anticipation for Brian Kelly. Did a great sit-down with him for 35 minutes not long ago that people can go see online if they missed it at WAFB.com or on YouTube. So, uh, yeah, the SEC Media Days, Clint, coming up in a few weeks here. So we're about to really get that adrenaline pumping for college football. It's going to be interesting to see how things kind of ramp up. It's all right now with Jacques Toussaint of WAFB-TV. And you talk about some of the stuff going on right now at LSU, and they had a lot of high school players come over you talk about Trev Falk obviously the biggest name out there by country mile was one Arch Manning and is that the long shot of all long shots to land that land that big fish does it just feel like he's not going to wind up at LSU no matter how much we maybe hope and dream for it Jacques well I mean the conversation you know when I was at the uh, in Hattiesburg at the regional talking to my friends in the New Orleans media I mean they tell me look Arch, uh, Archie Manning does not like LSU uh, Arch Manning is not coming to LSU. Never going to happen. Um, and so that's the talk right now. Now, can anything change between now and say, you know, whenever he's going to commit or sign or whatever? Um, I don't know. But, it, it, you know, he went to Georgia last weekend. Apparently his trip to Georgia went very well. He likes the coaches. He likes the players. He likes Athens. And this weekend he's going to Tuscaloosa, which is very interesting considering that 
uh, Eli Holstein. Uh, the Holstein name is very familiar in, in, in uh, Lafayette there. Eli Holstein, who's the great quarterback over at Zachary, recently committed to Alabama. And so now, uh, you know, here's Arch Manning visiting uh, this weekend. So uh, I, I don't it, – it, it doesn't seem like – it would happen. I mean, you know, people say the Mannings hate LSU and this and that. I mean, I think they've been very cordial and polite people. They're always very classy. But you just have a real hard time seeing uh, Arch Manning wearing an LSU helmet and Manning on the back of the jersey. So, uh, And there's some people, you know, uh, it's not his fault. But, you know, there's some people, a lot of, you know, he's overrated. If he didn't have the Manning name, didn't have all that, you know, sexy sizzle to him, he wouldn't be getting – uh, as much props as he's getting. And so, you know, I saw him play in person last year. They played a playoff game against Episcopal. You know, good quarterback. Was I you know, blown off my feet? No. Uh, but, uh, you know, it, it, I think anyone who gets him will not only get a great quarterback, but they'll get a lot of national media and, and, and pub for their program, the fact that they signed, you know, Arch Manning. Jacques, I got one more before I let you go because I saw you – Put this up on Twitter right before I went live, and that was Lindy Sports dropped their magazine. It's, it's that time of talking season, and LSU, according to them, ranked 29th amongst the 131 teams in the FBS level. What do you think about that that ranking? Well, yeah, and 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 then I looked, I flipped to the SEC section, and they were picked fifth in the SEC West too. So, you know, this has got 2018 vibes to it when. Um, uh, you know, before that year. Now, Brian Kelly's obviously not on a quote-unquote hot seat like Ed Ogeron was in 2018, but that year I think LSU, there's a lot of 6-6 uh, six and six talk, 5-7 and seven talk, fifth in the SEC West at SEC Media Days, and, uh, and you know, they won 10 games. They probably should have won 11, considering the Texas A&M game. A lot of people felt was highway robbery, the seven-overtime game, and they finished, uh, you know, sixth in the country, won the Fiesta Bowl. So anything close to that, I think, in year one would be great for LSU. But, yeah, the, the expectations are, are, are not high. Uh, I, I think that you can't blame people for not uh, having high expectations on LSU. I think the Vegas line is something like six-and-a-half wins, maybe seven wins for LSU. Uh, this year, the quarterback position is still not settled. Uh, you know, Miles Brennan has been around here forever, but he's only played, started three games in his career. Jaden Daniels comes over from Arizona State to compete. Uh, he's done some nice things in his career, but certainly he, you know, hasn't been an, an all-conference player or anything like that so far. And so, it's very similar to the Saints. It's always funny to me how the two teams mirror one each other because I think the Saints both, Saints and LSU both have quarterback issues. I think they both have very, very talented wide receivers. I think both have their top wide receiver has had injuries and a little bit of drama around them in terms of Michael Thomas and Kayshawn Butte. Um, and so um, I think that they have the talented wide receiver, got to find somebody to get him the ball. Certainly, you know, the Florida State game right out of the shoot, they can't lose that one in the Superdome. Um, but, they, you know, they've got uh, tough visits to Florida and Billy Napier and, 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 and whatnot. And so uh, it, it's always fun to see what happens. But, no, the expectations are not high for this LSU team, and that's, and that's fine. Uh, that, that, that's almost the way you, you want it uh, to, to, to sneak up on people. But when you're LSU, I don't really think you sneak up on people. Jacques, thank you so much for coming on, my man. We'll talk to you down the road. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. All right, Clint. Thanks for having me, man. Take care. I will. Jacques Doucet, WAFB. Always great to have JD on and talk a lot of different things. Maybe once we get close in that, like, in between time, between now and fall camp, we're going to have him on again. I think we got an idea that I've been banting about, and I'm just like, screw it. I'm getting it in. 
We're going to talk some of the best Van Halen songs of all time. I'll put my list together. He'll put his, and we'll break it down like a fraction. When we come back, I'll break down my Fave 5 picks to click for this weekend, and I'm looking forward to breaking down some of the UFC fights this weekend with our good friend John Eric Poli at 1030. We're back after this on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, your home for LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros in Southwest Louisiana. The world famous CD always has his eyes on the lines out in Las Vegas. Hit me 20, hit me 21, hit me 22. Don't! Here's his five favorite bets for the weekend. Will he make you rich beyond your wildest dreams? Or will you be cursing him out after he goes 0 for 5? Let's find out on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Under the Dome with CD right here on Acadiana Sports Station, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Old habits die hard. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station got about a minute here before we get to our number two. So I'll go ahead and get to my fave five picks to click rapid fire style. Give me the Philadelphia Phillies over the Arizona Diamondbacks, minus 240. Toronto Blue Jays, minus 255 over the Detroit Tigers. The Atlanta Braves, minus 250. Tampa Bay Lightning, game six. I got to go with them. Shout out, Mr. Jamie, at minus 190 over the Rangers tonight. And UFC 275, give me the queen, Valentina Shevchenko, taking down Talia Santos at minus 630. This is going to net you, if it pays out, a cool 24-41. Last weekend, wound up going four for five. It's good if you're a baseball player, bad if you're a sports better relying on those parlays to get you paid. The one I lost on was the Cajuns to Texas A&M. Like a Melvin, I bet with my heart, not with my brain. We're back after this right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. I'm going to go ahead and take a breath. <laughs> 